0: <laughs> did you, did I like you, that. I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. Yeah. Okay. So, Trevor, that's the thing. I, I've, I've seen some of your stuff on social media of late. I have felt for years like you and I, like if we'd been born in the same town, we would have been friends for life. Like we're like, oh, I'm pretty like, sure we're just like yeah. circling like yours. Is, you know, like I mean, of course, in a niche hobby like bagpiping you know and in a local area of course you circle around other people's names all the time right but just right they're like concentric circles that like inter inter interweave here and there like you know across many years you just go like ah, that name Trevor DeMess that just kind of keeps coming up doesn't it <laughs> you know <laughs> um but uh and so that's one of the things Trevor like what uh, I might have to work real hard to not have this whole podcast just being like like, dude do Do you remember? <laughs> do, do you remember when Kurin chopped off all those or, orc arms and yelled, "Day shall come again" over and over again? That was cool, right? Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> oh yeah, we can talk about Tolkien all day. That's that. That's actually that, that's the only bit of Elvish that Aude and Tuluva. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm even pronouncing it right. but That's the only bit of Elvish I've ever like retained in memory. And it's not even on purpose. I just have read that passage of the Children of Huron so many times that I can't it's like burned into my brain at this point. That's awesome. Have you have you I remember you, not long ago you mentioned that you had got through the Silmarillion. Are you working through the rest of it? Have you got to the Children of Huron yet? Or have you just got to yeah, the Yeah, so that's of it?
1: that's on my to do list. Children of Huron <clears throat> on my to do list. Mm-hmm. Um but I I finally made it through the Silmarillion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was which was great, but it was challenging. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh yeah, so I, I gotta get through Children of Huron, even though I'm you know familiar with the story obviously through the Summerillion, but right. um I need, need to read that, uh, The Fall of Gondolin, um mm. you know, get through that and some of those you know, Barron and Luthian, those classic great tales. Yeah. But uh yeah, yeah, it's it's good stuff. I'm like I'm
0: I'm I feel like so envious. And I'm not. I'm not trying at all to like present myself as like, oh, I'm I'm so well read. I've I've gone through all the volumes. Not not at all, man. And and as you know, like Tolkien's like work is such that like you can go through it a hundred thousand times, and there's still so much there, you know. Um, oh yeah. But I I do feel a certain level of jealousy, like thinking to myself, like, what if I could read the Fall of Gondolin for the first time, you know? And just <laughs> just think about some of these scenes, like some of the some of the battle scenes, dude. Just like that first time. You chase that yeah. experience the rest of your life. You know
1: what I mean? So. Oh, totally. You. you know, and a lot of people are, you know, more familiar with the Lord of the Rings trilogy and The Hobbit, which are, mm-hmm. you know, just some my absolute favorites. But there are so many great, uh, I don't know, just tales, stories, lessons learned in Tolkien's first, second ages, you know, from his other works. But, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh yeah. he is I am I I feel like I've become s- sort of like cynical and jaded as I've gotten older in a lot of aspects of my life, but J.R.R. <laughs> Tolkien is a person to whom I would still like unquestioningly just give complete loyalty. Like just just anything he's written, oh, yeah. I'm like, "Yep, I'm going to love that. I won't even question it. I know it's going to be great, you know?" <laughs> <laughs> I I hear you. Um well, so the reason I refer to you as the legless of bagpiping do you and i won't be offended if you haven't not at all but have you do you happen to have listened to the interview i did with carrie ann a while ago
1: oh you know i haven't i'm not offended i'll be totally fine no, i, ha- not I a big haven't deal. not a big deal i i i i need to go through um you you maybe should listen i'm just to that slacking <laughs> man i i need to go, okay i'll listen to carrie ann to be honest i i need to go through and listen to uh to listen to most of them i i don't think you need to listen to all of them right yeah i need to listen <laughs> to all you yeah. don't need to really
0: it's not no, a homework I, I thing or anything but uh you, could, you come up briefly in the yeah. interview with carrie ann and um oh okay i don't want to now, now see i don't want to spoil it but uh may, maybe the the title the legolas of bagpiping is something that you can uh retain for the rest of your life and you can <laughs> <laughs> hope to see uh, legless fan t-shirts at future scottish festivals or something like that so, <laughs> All right, definitely got to go listen to that. Yeah, man. Uh, so let's see here. Um, let's, let's talk about you. Let's talk about you. Tell me, give me a biopic. Where'd you grow up? What was life like at home? Was there music around? Did your siblings do stuff? What's, just tell me all about that. How'd you, how'd you get started in like living before we even get to bagpipes? And if they come into it, that's fine. But tell me about how you, you know, came into this world.
1: Right. So um, I was born Murray, Utah, where I was born and raised. Um, I was the oldest of four kids. And honestly, I was sort of the first in my family to pick up a musical instrument. Mm -hmm. And yeah, sort of paved the way. And, you know, so how it all kind of started for me was when I was 11 years old, about this time, you know, my family on both sides were sort of getting into genealogy and family Mm -hmm. history and this kind of thing. So on my mom's side, my mom, my aunts, my grandma, they were really into, uh, you know, finding out where our ancestors came from. And we found out we had, you know, some of these Scottish lines. And
0: why, why, do know, we, just, why do you think it is that do you think it's everywhere or do you think it's like specifically our few the last few decades, like epicenter in Utah that like the keepers of the genealogical records seem to always be the, the matriarchs of the family? that is a good question it's it's always the moms and the aunts and the grandmas you know and the and the it's like the 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 dads and
1: the uncles are always just like cool story you know (laughs) why does it seem like yeah i I know it's i don't know i thought about that too because i gotta say like some of my uncles now um they are gung-ho about this and like they they put in a lot of work um trying to search out things but yeah it's like i don't know like my dad you know my, my my uncles my grandpa's you know, they appreciated it, but it was like, you know, my mom, my aunts, my grandma's doing all the work.
0: I I know that Um, in my family, and I think in a lot of other families too, like my mom tells my dad about his ancestors, you know, like that's the dynamic.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, my, you know, growing up, I I do, I I think just, you know, my grandma, my mom, my aunts, they had great stories, you know, about great, great grandpa, so-and-so, great grandma, so-and-so. And, I don't know, you know, just they they were the ones I'm very grateful that sort of, you know, got this, you know, this whole thing rolling where, you know, okay, all of a sudden you find out you have Scottish ancestry and you can't help but just have all this pride now. Like Uh, I got to research everything about Scotland and our Scottish roots. We're watching Braveheart uh, tonight, kids. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, we're watching Braveheart tonight. And, uh, you know, everybody's got to go get a kilt and, um, you know, looking up the tartan and all that stuff. Well, that summer, um, we found out for the first time that, you know, there was a Scottish festival locally, and it was actually in Murray. It was when it used to be at Murray Park. I don't know oh, if you yeah. remember those days.
0: Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, so it was at Murray Park, like hometown, and we thought we got to go to this. And so we went over there, and it just changed my life. I mean, just the sound of the pipes, seeing all of the mass bands, The pipers, drummers, dancers, all the clans—it just really spoke to me. And enjoyed the, you know, enjoyed the Scottish festival there at Murray Park. And I told my grandma; she's the one actually that took me. And Mm -hmm. I said, you know, there's something about those pipes that I've got to learn how to play them. I really, really want to learn how to play. And she Mm -hmm. said, well, let's let's do it then. You know, like you should really do it. Um. And so, you know, that I I looked actually that they used to have a like a program. And on the back of the program, there was a a list of all these different teachers throughout the valley, throughout the state, Highland dancing, uh, drumming, piping. And I just remember looking on the back of that program and I saw Dennis McMaster. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know what, I'm calling him. And that's that, kind of how it I got started.
0: Like, a, like, if you're looking for a teacher, what a great name for a teacher! You're Like, oh, this person must know exactly what they're doing. McMaster? Are you kidding me? It's yeah, it's the like McMaster. Of anything okay, Scottish. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you know, I, I, there probably were other names on there. In fact, I'm almost certain there were, but I don't know. Dennis's name was just he was in West Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not too far. Like, let's do it. So, but the other thing that I should mention is that, so, like, around this same time. So, like, I'm in elementary. You know, I was I fifth or sixth grade. I can't remember now. I was eleven, in any case. Well, one of my good friends in in uh, in school, uh, Thomas Heseltine. He his dad is from Scotland, oh. and he played the pipes. And I I had uh, you know just really connected with him when he would come over to show and tell at the at the school, and he would have his pipes, and he would I was kilt, mm-hmm. and that was actually sort of like my first introduction to the pipes was probably him. And I, so I just thought, like, that kind of combined with, okay, now I have Scottish ancestry you I've been to the Scottish Festival, i got to learn how to play these pipes. So Thomas and I sort of got into piping around the same time, um, started taking lessons from Dennis. And it, it helps to have
0: a friend in it, especially at that age. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know. So, you know, the two of us doing it together, um, that was back when Dennis taught at his house in his basement. And that's just uh, how it got started for me. Mm-hmm.
0: So, had you had any, like, you know, the obligatory little kid piano lessons or anything like that? Or was this, like, totally no to everything?
1: First musical instrument I picked mm-hmm. up. Um, I didn't know anything about reading music. Um, it was sort of my first introduction to music in general. Um, and, you know, I got a chanter, started taking lessons with Dennis. And, I mean, by the next year, I was, you know, being, well, let's see, maybe the year after that, I was, you know, it's coming out to the band practices and learning the band repertoire and... Before I knew it, I was in the Salt Lake Scots. You know, Dennis was the pipe major of the Salt Lake Scots. And it was just, you know, one thing after another um, of opportunities for me.
0: Which then, fast, fast forward, are you still or were you up until very recently pipe majoring at the Salt Lake Scots?
1: Yeah, so currently not the pipe major. Um, that might be news to some people. listening to this um yeah it's all good chris right so i so i i've I've been in the band since 2001 um i've been playing with the band ever since with the exception of my two-year uh church mission Mm -hmm. um well uh jason kilpack was the pipe major of the salt lake Scots after dennis um and and jason was probably pipe major for 12 or 13 years long time and then uh, Jason was ready to step down, and I was, you know, the next. I was, I guess, you know, sort of nominated or voted in as the next pipe major.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that was in end of 2018. So uh, since the end of 2018, I've been the pipe major of the Salt Lake Scots. But just with my with my family dynamics and work changes, uh, it's been really hard for me to sort of commit to pipe majoring. Um, and doing the solos and everything that I've been doing, and so I I'm taking a wee a wee break from from that. Chris, um, I'm very grateful to him. He's he was willing to step up as a pipe major of the Salt Lake Scots. So, mm-hmm. and he he's doing awesome. He will do awesome. I'm really really excited
0: for him. I don't doubt it. What he's a a solid human and a solid bagpiper for sure. Um, yeah, and I, he fact, he's I been saw, he's saw, been
1: prepared for that. So
0: it makes sense because I saw I saw some stuff that he had done. I got to see some examples of the practices that he was running during the COVID lockdowns. Um, Uh He obviously is a person who knows how to disseminate information and share it with people and stuff. Yeah, he's got great
1: leadership qualities. He's a great fit. Um, And, you know, that's the great thing is uh, I was really, I mean, like the, the band, like that's what I tried to you know explain to people it's like I'm not taking a break from piping it's just like I'll always be a piper like you, anybody listening to this podcast is going to know like it's part of who we are you know it's not just yeah, like it's
0: hard to leave it it's not just something that, that you kind of do it
1: is it's like you, you there there's times and seasons you know in our lives where we are very gung-ho maybe not as much as others but it's a part of who we are and it's just you know never stop being a piper but I can't commit to uh, the level of piping that I've done over the last four years, you know, right. that yeah. I, so anyways, but, oh, but it yeah. Totally, it totally so, makes sense, yeah.
0: I, I've even, I've even known some, some friends to have like kind of resented that, that like they'd like to be free of it, but
1: they, it keeps pulling them back in,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, it will just, find you. <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, cause I have some really good friends who haven't probably picked up their pipes in a while, but you know, it's like, I still know that deep down there, are they're pipers. They could get their pipes out and still play, you know, if yeah. they if they wanted to or if they did. But, you know, we life happens and we get very busy and Yeah, for sure, man. But that's the yeah, thing about sure. the band. Like the band sense. yeah, the band will continue to, you know, continue to roll forward and someone else steps in and great opportunity to learn from someone else, new leadership and it just uh you know, just keep just keep it going. So
0: Yeah. I'm trying to remember now, I feel like I feel like it was, uh, I think it was when I was talking with uh, good old Master Baxter over there, um, is it, was the Salt Lake Scots the first, is that the oldest continuous pipe band in Utah, or is that somewhere between, you know, is that the Utah pipe band?
1: Yeah, well, I Utah pipe band and the Salt Lake Scots both, I would say, are the two longstanding bands in the state of Utah, but I'm honestly not sure if Utah Pipe Band is older than the Salt Lake Scots. I'm I'm not a hundred percent
0: sure. It can get confusing when like so much of like the same people start the bands. You know, like it's like, well, yeah, did the one grow out of the other, or did the two start at the same time and then split, stuff like that. But
1: right, well, I mean, Salt Lake Scots. Um, I think last year was our 60th anniversary. I think the band was founded in 1962.
0: That was 10 um, years before um, The Dark Side of the Moon was released. Wow, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> you just pulled that out of... Uh, that was that, that tr- tr- amazing. Yeah, trying, trying to look impressive. To, I just know that this year is the I'm anniversary. I'm so I was just talking yeah. about that with a friend earlier this morning. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been nice. in my brain.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, you know, Sully Scott's been around a long time. And, you know, they've sort of been like a second family to me, you know. just I've always just... Gro- ever since I... You know, was 12 years old. I'd been playing with the band, yeah. just traveling and doing all of the competitions and well, th- parades, th- gigs, concerts, everything that comes with that.
0: Let's go back to you being 12 years old then. Your grandma was obviously enthusiastic about you learning. Like, how did your family, how receptive was your family to the, the monetary expense, the time commitment, all the noise, you know, all the experiences that go on oh, yeah. kid learn to play bagpipes? How was that handled?
1: They, uh, they were very supportive. Um, you know, we got my first set of pipes and, uh, Thomas, we got ours at the same time, my, my good friend, Thomas Edeltine. And, you know, they were very supportive, just practicing in the house, practice mm-hmm. outside. Um, they were, you know, with all the travel, you know, the travel expenses and all of that, uh, you know, that all worked out, but, you know, in fact, one thing that was kind of cool um they wanted me so the band i had the opportunity to go with the band in 2003 to scotland we went to the world's wow, man and it was an incredible experience um and, you know i was just i don't know i think i said that time i was probably 15 years old yeah uh 14 or 15 but uh you know my mom and dad were like you need you need to pay your way and i'm like okay mm-hmm. so now i let me back up so I, so thomas and i are getting into piping around the same time and then that, you know, it just kind of, uh, you know, it, it, it's just kind of this continuous uh, effect where now you get someone else into it, and then they get someone into it, right? So totally, yeah. uh, so so I started to get my other good friend, Tyler Abeda into piping, and he just really excelled quickly. And so we were able to play, you know, almost all on the same level, but within a short amount of time, he was really really good piper
0: how how quickly were the three of you playing like hellbound train and stuff like that
1: um well tyler joined the band so quickly it was crazy he started taking lessons from dennis and he came to scotland too and i had been taking lessons longer than he had um but we got tyler into it and then we got our friend ben ferner into it and we got our friend austin mcdonald into it and i should mention all of us go to the same school we're all we're all uh from that, Murray.
0: that's super cool i like i got to grow up down in payson so i had the school program which i feel very lucky about because that way i had a bunch of peers to play bagpipes and drive right. with you know um, oh yeah friends at school and all that kind of stuff right and it's like i feel for the kids who learn who don't have that kind of experience and it sounds like you guys basically had the same experience but like what would you call it like organically without the academic structure
1: yeah totally It was very unique, very special opportunity for us, and, you know, it helped that we were all good friends. So we sort of had these Murray bagpipers, you know, we were kind of playing in the band and playing with, you know, playing at school uh, events and whatnot. the
0: dreams of any band come true, right? To have kids who are so enthusiastic, like, they're kids, so they're going to live a while, you know, and they're so enthusiastic that they're bringing even more pipers and drummers into the band. Like, that's, we all want to find those little pockets of people.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and then it, it even continued after that. I mean, uh, well, Car- I haven't listened to the podcast with Carrie Ann, but I'm sure Carrie Ann mentioned something to the effect like kind of behind the scenes we were, you know, sort of inspiring or preparing, I don't know what the right word, is Carrie Ann. I think that's kind of where or I think that's kind of where her first interest in piping came from. Um because Carrie Ann also went to Murray and um you know, anyway, it just has this amazing effect to, uh, to kind of spread the, you know, spread the love of the instrument, the music, the culture. But, mm-hmm. um, so, but yeah, so we had this, this group of friends, all pipers and uh, growing up, it was a lot of fun, but Tyler and I got to go to Scotland. Um, and so what Tyler and I said, okay, we got to pay for our way to Scotland. So we would go down and just open up our pipe case, downtown Salt Lake. We would, you know, just pretty much busk. Yeah, yeah. And we were able to, you know, we were able to pay our way to Scotland,
0: which was pretty awesome just how, playing how, it. But how long were you doing that to, to amass that much money?
1: Like, was oh, this man. Like,
0: was this like every afternoon after school? That's where you were? Or was it like weekend? Oh, no, like,
1: okay. So we'd go like, you know, I think our record was the Josh Groban concert. Like uh, we go down Josh yeah. Groban concert, everybody's feeling happy and great. And they see these little, you know, these young, these young boys out playing the pipes in the freezing cold and their kilts and they got their case open and I know that each of us, I think each of us made $300 within like an hour of piping mm-hmm. like that. I mean, it didn't take very long, you know, jazz games, grizzly right. games, uh, concerts and whatnot. And all of a sudden we had enough money to pay for our own, own way to Scotland, which made it that much even more special, you know. So oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, so Scotland was an amazing trip. Um, they'll never forget. Yeah, and I'd what, a, what a
0: cool thing to have it—that experience at that age too. Like, I mean, I've never been myself, and so maybe I'm looking at it from the perspective of exactly who I am, which I guess would make sense. But I feel like a lot of us um, intend to have that experience someday, and eventually we do, or if we do, it's it's usually someday. You know, it's like it's not a ton of kids who end up you know <laughs> going across the Atlantic to to the world with a pipe band. Yeah, so, that's pretty cool, man.
1: Kind of a funny story. I'll never forget. Like everybody, you know, our first practice um at the park everybody was so pumped and you're like get the pipes out and you know we're striking up and there is this horrific sound like somebody's <laughs> drones are totally out and we're like yeah. oh great here we go and dennis is going around like we you know with the stink stink guy you know the pipe major dry like who is that and what's and uh it was me and i had put my tenor drone read in in my bass <laughs> and bass and my tenor and it was it was awful. And I thought, oh, great. I just, it's a great the, way to start our trip in Scotland. But it was, it was, look back, you know, looking back now, is pretty comical. But I'm like, you know what? Stuff like that happens. If you'd done it on
0: purpose, it would have been admirable, like a great practical <laughs> joke to play as a pipe major.
1: I should have. Well, but it was on my notes. And, really yeah. fun things to,
0: <laughs> it's like, that, that goes along with like the, you know, the classic um, go around to your buddy's chanter and tape up the, the bottom two tone holes while they're not looking. Oh, yeah. It's that, that kind of trick.
1: Go, yeah, sounds like you've got the. Uh, it yeah, it sounds like you got like the ambulance. Yeah, uh, close by. Yeah.
0: Well, well then, so your piping was pretty well continuous for you, like since you picked it up, and you just kind of right, carried yeah, on through. Just, you said you went on a church mission where did, you didn't get to go to Scotland, did you?
1: Um, across the channel in the Netherlands um, is where I That's served my pretty mission. Pretty cool too, though. Yeah, it's like yeah. you know, it's pretty close to Scotland. Um, but it it was uh, it was pretty cool. So. My my first mission president, I I had asked if I could bring my pipes and he he said, you know, no, why don't you just leave them home? Uh focus on the work and I said, Okay, no problem. I have no problem with that. Um well halfway through my mission, we got a new mission president I thought, I'm just gonna ask him what he thinks. And he said, Absolutely, He's like, have your mom. Have your mom. You have yeah, he's already. like, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that's what I love, just like different kind of leadership qualities, but he's he just said, you know, you need to you need to email your mom and dad and tell them to send those over. And I was a little nervous, you know, shipping them overseas, but they oh, got to me sure. just fine. And, and I did have opportunities to play them in the Netherlands and Belgium as both part, uh, you know, awesome. both uh, parts were part of our mission. But, uh, yeah, I would just go into, like, you know, the town center uh, downtown, and uh, we'd have a big group of missionaries, and I would just start playing my pipes. Um, you know, whether they were church hymns or well-known hymns or they were just, you know, playing some jigs or some reels or marches or whatever, it just – you know, of course, it's going to draw a crowd because that's not very common. And he had this huge crowd of, crowd of people wanting to know what's going on. And uh, all of a sudden, you can start talking to him. You know, so right, that was right. pretty cool. Um, I got to use him uh, a couple of different things.
0: Did you ever for, have for fun a couple different like, things uh, in my mission? But did you did you ever do like you know like here's here's a missionary, you know, in the town square in Belgium playing like Devil in the Kitchen or something like? Did you ever have fun with like some? Some, some like, evil tunes while you
1: were out there? Um, I probably did. I played, yeah, like, all, like, you know, the great fun jigs and reels. Uh, a, a lot of them you have, know, uh, have, have kind of have, you know like Yeah, like Devil in the Kitchen. Back, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I'm sure I did. I, you know, in fact, one time it was, uh, I just, I don't picture myself doing this now, with, like, you know, the pandemic and everything. But we were in uh, Amsterdam mm. and we were going, we were uh, at the Dom, kind of like the downtown area. And there was this guy totally decked out in his kilt playing pipes and he was awful. But I thought, man, that guy is playing his pipes. and Everybody thinks it's so cool. I should just walk up to him and say, do you mind if I try? Like, that's, I've always wanted to try. (laughs) You know, So (laughs) he's like, oh yeah, sure. So anyways, I, I struck up his pipes and I just started playing. And of course, you know, like. I, I i don't know i was i guess i wasn't trying to show up but i just kind of wanted to, you know but you make didn't... it seem like what the heck like how did he know how to like play this thing you know and and it was it was really cool he was a cool guy um got to talk to him and everybody sort of gathered around and, and... you could have stepped back and been like it's the gift of tongues but but musical <laughs> tongues <laughs> yeah i know i could have taken the uh, better uh, advantage of that situation i guess but it without you know stuff like that just come up um dude have and, you heard uh,
0: have you heard i think it was Stuart little who had a similar story have you heard his story like that uh no i'm almost positive it was Stuart haven't. little and he he was like out riding bikes with a friend or something like that and in a similar way came across a piper all decked out but not playing super great and walked up to him and was like oh i've always wanted to try do you mind if i try him out <laughs> and he he played something you know some blistering little solo, like you know played played really great yeah, or or maybe maybe it was before he started playing. In any case, at some point before those pipes got back to the piper, he reached down to adjust the chanter, grabbed it by the sole, twisted it, busted it. Oh broke no. the guy's chanter. And then <laughs> I think it's been a while since I heard this story, but I think he just handed him the all the broken pieces, was like, sorry, and rode his bike away and just disappeared. So at least you didn't break the guy's pipes, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Good of worse. Be bad. In this way that you can say you're better than than Stuart Little cuz you're better at <laughs> not breaking strangers' bagpipes.
1: <laughs> I think I had some divine intervention that I didn't break his channel, <laughs> I been guess.
0: Terrible, right?
1: But yeah, no, it's uh you know, the pipes have just been able to you know, provide provide me with a lot of great opportunities and you know, and my wife, uh Caitlin, she is an amazing violinist. So she was classically trained at BYU violin performance major. And so, you know, but she has fiddle training also. So, you know, we, we do a lot of things together, small pipes, violin, um, you know, she's teaching our kids violin right now. And I look forward to, you know, we have four kids, we have four boys. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've seen some
0: just, pictures on social media of a bunch of boys. was well, yeah. never sure
1: quite how many you had. <laughs> so, yep, we've so we've got, four we've, them, got huh? four. we've got four little hobbits, and yeah, four we, little hobbits. That's Perfect. <laughs> we just love, um, we love them to death, and they, uh, the, you know, I, I I'm looking forward to you know when I can you know get the channer has always been in their hands, but when I can actually you know teach them, um, yeah. you know, my oldest Jack is nine. I was actually thinking about, you know, maybe next year when he turns 10, just kind of get more serious with piping. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, all my kids have sort of had a chanter in their hands since they were born. But
0: Yeah, I feel like when I first started having kids, I was, of course, surely we all plan our children's futures, you know, in, in every way. <laughs> and, but uh, if we like piping, piping probably figures into that. And I, and I think initially I had this mentality that, like, once they're ready, then I'll hand them a chanter. But I kind of stumbled into it by accident over the years that, like, there's nothing wrong with having a chanter around for them to just play with and just kind of feel familiar with it before there's like strict instruction, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Well, I should actually also mention, just in all fairness, they have at times um, held a drumstick in their hand. So oh, you're, you're my o- you're my open wife to
0: such things are you?
1: Yes, um, my wife. My, my wife is just she's so amazing and she's so talented. And she, this was, this was several years ago, but she's like, you know, I didn't have any, I didn't really have much percussion, uh, you know, in the the music program at BYU. I'd really like to have some more training lessons, whatever experiences with percussion. And so I was like, so what do you think about like playing in the band? Like you want to play in the drum corps? Like maybe you could play snare. And she's like, yeah. So she started taking lessons from BJ Gunn Dang. and just really excelled and then like my wife was in playing in the band. I was she was doing solos, like I was her piper doing, you know, grade four snare that's and too cool. it was just so fun. So um, now you're you know now so, all your
0: kids have to do one or the other. That's a family yeah, so that's thing. like
1: we had a ch- we had you know, all my different chanters over the years and like my wife's drumsticks and stuff. So like they're picking up, you know, both of them. So it's like it could go either way and um, you know, as long as they're finding what they enjoy most, like, it makes me happy, but I I really look forward to the time when, like, my whole family can sort of be doing this, you know? Yeah. Yeah,
0: I I suspect that you and I are probably experiencing similar things in that, like, uh, for, well, for various reasons, I'm not piping as much as I have in the past, at present, though I intend to do so more in the future, but there is this thing in my head that's like, if my kids would just get into it, like, I'm not going to force them, but I'll sure encourage them because if they would get into it, then it's a family activity. Then it's family exactly. time. And then I can justify, go, you know, going to practice every week and going to all the games and everything because I'm taking my kids uh, with exactly. me. Exactly.
1: Because, you know, there are so many, like, the practices, the gigs, the the contests, mm-hmm. the parades, the concerts, it, it is a lot of time away from your family. And like, don't get me wrong, like, my family, it, I've been doing this for so long that they've been to so many things. Like they're not going to go to every single thing we do now. Yeah. So that is time away from them. But if my whole family is there, like it's that much more special that it's, it's, it's you know, experiences that we're having together, which uh, is really important.
0: Yeah, totally. Speaking of family together time, I get the impression again from your social media stuff that you're, you're an outdoorsy dude.
1: Yes. Do some we, hiking and stuff like that. Yeah. We, we love hiking, backpacking. Um, and, we actually just got back from zion uh last weekend we took the family down and my how, kids how you were know, the crowds was it not too crowded right now it, it i mean it was crowded but not too bad yeah. honestly like line you know the trails weren't too bad lines for the shuttle weren't too bad but um i think it was a good thing just seeing all these people you know yeah. uh wanting to get out and just um you know just get outdoors more but uh yeah my kids are you know sort of got the hiking and outdoors bug young which is uh important to my wife and I because we we love just being in nature and the outdoors and um so we you know we love you know spending time doing that kind of thing as well
0: mm-hmm we, we, we haven't I haven't been to Zion since I was a kid and uh, my wife and i feel like we're always like budgeting time it's like well which park can we do you know and it's it's like we'd like to go design to but we keep being like, oh, it sounds like it's so busy. We'll just do arches again, you know. Which, yeah, I, I don't mean to say just arches. I love arches. That's that's one of oh, my I favorites. I love arches, for sure. but but you yeah. know, that's we, we've kind of been like not diving into it just because we keep hearing like ah, it's so busy. But yeah, if it's, if it's not yeah, that bad, if maybe we'll give it a try. No,
1: not that bad at all. And there are just terrific uh kid-friendly trails, mm-hmm. um and it's just it's just a very you know the oasis in the desert. It's an amazing place, but. uh yeah, so that's kind of like that's another thing that we like to do, you know, sort of outside of music and and piping. Dude, you you want
0: to hear a funny like a funny um like local national land um, intersection with Mormonism story? Uh, yeah. So the park Zion right? There's this. I mean the the word Zion. That's it's a thing in multiple religions. It's like this idea of like a, a paradisical kind of situation, right? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> in like religious talk you might between each other say stuff like i'm trying to live a zion-like life of course this gets complicated by like recent more recent political zionism and things like that right but Uh but in in very general terms you might say like living in a way that you love your neighbor and you're being kind to others and giving to charity and stuff like that you might say you're trying to live with your like heart close to zion or something like that in kind of like a figurative way right so i have this buddy who's is in uh he's in uh i can't remember now if he's in new york or new jersey But a a work friend who, uh, when we'd met, you know, uh, he's like, oh, where you from? And Utah, he'd never been to Utah. We were talking about the national parks and stuff like that. He texts me out of the blue one day. He's like, hey, Jim, do you live close to Zion? (laughs) And I I wasn't really thinking, you know, and I I reply like, oh, I don't know, man. I do my best, you know, don't we all try, you know? (laughs) (laughs) He was just so confused. I was like, "You, you do your best to live by, do you live there or not? (laughs) You know? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. No, a few hours. Yeah. It's like, it's an easy question. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Uh, That's funny. A
0: little, little peek into our microcosm of experience in the Utah Mormon bubble for anybody who is outside of it. Yeah. What, uh, what other, have you got other like, uh, hobbies and, uh, focuses, um, passions that take up your time and energy? You know, there's family, there's nature, there's bagpipes, anything else?
1: Um. Well, busy. You know, work takes up a lot of my time. Oh yeah, um, pharmacist. And yes, so I'm a pharmacist, and sort of have a unique setup. Um. So, now, i was fortunate enough to now, go now to you're the about University to describe to us
0: how you're basically a drug dealer, but you're going to tell us it's like all above board and okay. That's your unique your
1: your unique setup, right? Exactly. Yeah, we're we're, we're the legit like okay drug dealer. Yeah. Um, the drug <laughs> doctor. Uh. We. You know. I was fortunate to. Um, you know, go to the University of Utah for my undergrad and pharmacy school. Um, but my dad is a pharmacist, so that's kind of how I got into that. But um, we have our own family uh, pharmacy. Oh, uh, my dad has owned um, the apothecary shop downtown Salt Lake. And that's what it's called uh, the
0: apothecary shop?
1: Yeah, the apothecary shop. That we, is so classy. Yeah, so it's sort of got this, uh, you know, kind of old apothecary and it's S-H-O-P-P-E. Um, you know, so like the, of course <laughs> the classic spelling. Um, but you know, we were a little independent. Yeah. 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 We were an independent community pharmacy, um, uh, downtown Salt Lake on the, what is now the Holy Cross hospital campus. Um, it's been the Salt Lake regional medical center for a long time, but anyways, uh, you know, getting into pharmacy, um, you know, through my dad and, and, uh, just kind of was the path in life that, uh, spoke to me, you know, as far as career goes and, going to school, having kids, piping, um, doing all the things that, you know, it's involved. It was, it was pretty tough, but we did it. And now I'm just at the stage where it's, it's more demanding at work. And with my kids and the ages that there are, we've got a nine, seven, five and two year old, wow. almost two. Wow. It's man. just, yeah. you know, it's That's like, yeah, like I, um, well, I'll probably get to it in a minute, but like over the last probably three years, I, I have been so, uh, I put so much time into piping, let's say like ridiculously amount. And it's, and it's been an incredible experience and it really has paid off, but I just, I can't continue that same commitment right now. Like I hope to obviously again, uh, in the not too distant future but just right now I can't I can't commit to that no, uh, of that level because my kids my kids have baseball practice they have right. their guitar and violin lessons and we're trying to make time for family and it's it's very difficult to fit it all in you know you know how it is
0: to- Totally man and and I feel like that's it's important it's important to have like a what is this, like, we need to, it needs to be, like, normalized, I I don't, I'm not saying that, like, there's a big problem with this in the piping community, right, but it's just important for, like, all of us to say out loud and acknowledge that, like, that's a real thing, and it's okay, you know, like, there can, the tragedy would be if a piper or drummer felt like if they can't do everything, then they'll just not do anything at all, right, like, yeah, they're, just participate how you can, where and when you can, you know, just play your chanter by yourself, get, get the small pipes out, you know, show up to band practice, work it out with your band and show up once every two or three weeks. You know, like there's any number of things. The the one thing that, of course, we as a community would like to help each other to not do is give up entirely and stop doing this thing, as long as you love doing it, right? Like there's got to be a way to keep doing it while other stuff is busy. And, you know, that shifts over time and that's okay.
1: Yep. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I I think
0: I saw you, didn't I see you in the aspiring judges row at one of the Glen Wild uh yeah. things. Yeah, that's right. Down in the library. Are you, are you an officially accredited judge at this point?
1: I'm not. It's one of those things I, you know, on my my wish list or to do list. Uh, the someday. The someday, yeah, going yeah. to get my kids a little um bit more grown up. But yeah, that was a really cool experience just being able to listen to some really great piping um and also try and learn what it's like to be a judge, you know, just, and give what feedback we can. Um, that was really cool. I'm trying to I still to remember. remember you out there. Yeah. I, I remember just saying, you I'm... playing Bonnie Ann out yeah, there. I'm like, dang, hey, going for it. <laughs> Look at this.
0: I'm, I'm blushing, Trevor, right now. I still I'm, I'm remember blushing. that. It's like,
1: man, this is, this is killer.
0: I, I had a funny walk. That might've been part of, part of what makes it memorable. I, I was having such a hard time getting that, uh that kind of like that, that emphasis, non-emphasis kind of feel, you yeah, know? Oh, did I lose
1: you? Did I lose you? Sorry. Let me know
0: if you can hear me. There we go. I hear you now. I I lost you for just a second. Okay, there. sorry. My my uh
1: my my uh, AirPod dropped. Sorry about oh, that. Oh, gotcha. Drop
0: connection. Nah, no problem, man. No, r- really, I am I am flattered that you would remember what tune I played because it's been a few years now, even so.
1: Yeah, what that a... was uh that was before COVID, wasn't it? Wasn't that? Uh... Yeah, that was
0: pre-COVID, yeah.
1: That was—I want to say—that was like November 2019.
0: Yeah, like right before. That's right. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. No, that was a really cool. Uh, that was a really cool um, thing we did.
0: Yeah, love to do some more of that too. But uh,
1: yeah, we have great talent here in Utah. That's so, all. That's all I got to
0: say. Yeah, and very committed people too. I'm always amazed at how much Jeff Mann does. You know, other people too. But it, you just—you know—how much oh, time yeah. and effort it takes to organize these kinds of things. You know, you got to be willing to do that stuff and. It's hard. Definitely, to spend a lot of time and work. So, um, what about uh, like like other bucket list items? You know, like speaking of being outdoors, like uh, you guys have some places you really want to go with or without the kids to, you know, certain mountains you want to climb or canyons you want to <sighs> climb through.
1: Yeah, my my wife and I want to start doing hitting some of the fourteeners. You know, um, what are the 14ers? King,
0: I don't know
1: what those. So, are. Uh, so, so like in Utah, Kings Peak. Oh, sure, um, yeah. it's the highest el- uh, elevation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's under fourteen thousand feet. It's oh, it's thirteen thousand gotcha. something. I'm blanking off the top of my head. Uh, it's if, just if under you get 14. get up there
0: and your wife stands on your shoulders, one of you
1: could do it, right? M- oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to throw her a little bit higher, you <laughs> but, it, you know, you go to Colorado and they have multiple 14,000 foot peaks yeah. and it's, it's kind of, you know, one of these things that people love doing is, okay, let's hit all the, you know, the, the mountain peaks that are over 14,000 feet and there's a bunch in Colorado and, you know, Washington, whatever. Um, that's something that we'd like to do just uh, push ourselves a little bit, but, um, you know, we love to travel too. So if it's not hiking necessarily or backpacking, um, we love the Uintas too. Like just love Mm -hmm. going in the Mm -hmm. Uintas, but, um, you know, we just love traveling in general. Um, so Mm -hmm. yeah, we, I mean, New Zealand, um, is on our list. I've always wanted to go there. Middle earth. Exactly. Middle earth. I've always wanted to go there. Um, Iceland, um, uh, those, those are the, uh, those are the, those are the, um, places I think next that we'll go yeah. trying to get, trying to work that out. But, uh, yeah, yeah. so, but we, we've been fortunate to do some traveling, you know, uh, Central America, um, Southeast Asia and Europe. I mean, Not really, just, that's awesome. you know, just trying to branch out a little bit more and see, see some more of the, the world, but
0: no, that's super cool. You ever take your pipes with you?
1: Um, I'm trying to think.
0: Um it just it puts me in the mind of the oh the first piper. You, you watch that
1: guy on social media? Oh yeah yeah yeah. He travels around with yeah. pipes. Um like outside of the band, you know, taking my pipes to the Netherlands and Belgium, um I don't think I've actually brought them on any other trip just cuz I don't want to risk anything. It's stressful. But yeah. uh, you know, um
0: yeah, I get some of those 3D printed pipes you don't not too worried about it if they get yeah, lost or not busted true. up or something. Yeah.
1: I should though. Like maybe I should Next time I do King's Peak, maybe I should take my maybe. pipes with me, like play on top of Utah. That'd yeah, be kind of yeah, cool.
0: Yeah, what, what if that's your 14 right? You yeah, that might – you know what? You just cool.
1: gave me an idea. There we I, go. I, I should make that my next bucket list, see if I can carry my pipes with me on the top of King's Peak, the top of Utah. We'll, yeah, we'll see.
0: That would be a lot of extra weight. I, the last time I – Oh, play, yeah, like I haven't done Nebo since I was little. And the last time I did Timp was – it's been a few years now and my hips were killing me dude when i got down. yeah adding that much weight of a, a set of pipes man that could be rough
1: yeah no totally
0: hey there again though 3d printed pipes a lot lighter
1: yeah it's true
0: you hear me davy you hear me out there davy i'm giving you <laughs> I'm, I'm plugging your pipes over and over again <laughs> uh well, well trevor I, I know this seems like kind of um uh maybe a little bit silly but uh just you know further getting to know you a bit um any uh, TV shows or series that you're currently enjoying or that you like in particular?
1: Um, or, or movies, honest, you know, other other media, basically. Yeah, to be honest, a lot of the, if we watch anything, it's, like, with our boys. Yeah, oh, I can relate <laughs> So, like, that. I just yeah. don't, I just <laughs> honestly don't have time. But we did watch The Rings of Power, um, uh, season one. Um, you know, Our Family Loves. Uh, the Mandalorian, so we're you know watching the new Mandalorian. We love Star Wars, um, but uh, yeah, we just I am I am definitely out of the loop with all of the new like TV series and shows. I don't want to I don't want to turn this this interview
0: political or anything, but personally, I really like The Rings of Power. I thought it was great.
1: Well, we did too. Yeah, I some people we, get upset we about it, it. What it, Oh, the but purists, the purists will, uh, you know. Will be uh, they'll definitely have uh, I don't know well, a yeah. lot to <laughs> say, but you know it's like I, I I we 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 enjoyed it. You know I, I want to go it.
0: I want to go even further than that though, Trevor, and I want to suggest that like it's quite possible that actually the purists are okay with it. It's the people who think that they're purists <laughs> that get bent out of shape okay. over it. That's what I want to yeah. say. I, there you go. I, yeah, I feel like that's that's well said. My my okay. wife and I were just re-watching the first episode the other night while we were folding laundry, and. And I had not noticed on first pass that, um, oh, and now I can't remember who Galadriel's older brother is. Um, Uh, Finrod. Finrod, yeah. And when he's giving an explanation, and actually, Trevor, do you remember, is Finrod, did he die with, was it werewolves that killed him? Was that Finrod's story? Yeah,
1: well, he he actually saved uh, Baron's life. Right, he saved Baron. um, From the werewolves. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So yeah, yeah, he, he gave his life to save Baron, which... It's like, why couldn't the Rings? I wish the Rings of Power would have done more of, because Finrod is an amazing elf. He's an amazing character. I wish that, yeah, it's like, not just like, oh yeah, he was defeated by Sauron. Like, no, you need to like go into like how that happened because it's epic. Yeah. And somebody needs to bring that to the big screen next. Yes, totally, man, totally.
0: There there are a lot of really good stories like that that would be very cinematic. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But we're watching his explanation for why stones sink to Galadriel. Um, because in that like prologue, she had made the little boat. And oh and yeah, stone, yeah, yeah. So. And if I if I, I I might be stretching a little bit, but to me, it sounded like very very medieval in like this explanation of like, well, fire goes up because that's where fire comes from. It's trying to return to its you know its origin. Stones go down because they come from the earth. It just it, and to me, it felt like somebody who was writing this this show knew that Tolkien was a medievalist. And so maybe mm. when didn't just use Tolkien's Tolkien as source material, use Tolkien's source material. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like when yeah. Galadriel jumps in the water and she's swimming and there's a sea monster and she's swimming and swimming and swimming. A lot of people are like, oh, that's ridiculous. She did. But it's like, that is so Beowulf. It's so Beowulf. Yeah. And Tolkien loved Beowulf. And so I feel a little bit like You're absolutely right. The the purists who are really purists probably are delighted by this stuff, you know? And the people who are like not purists, but think that they are. I think they're the ones that are getting all mad.
1: Yeah, true, but, true.
0: Trevor, this is exactly what I w- I was telling myself before. Like, don't do this. Don't do this. <laughs> don't go. So, so I apologize. Let's let's.
1: Hey, listen. I love geeking out. I, I love geeking out. with I I geek out on piping. Anytime, I'll geek out on Tolkien anytime. <laughs> well, then, well, then let's
0: let's turn the, the geek laser beam toward piping again. And will you tell me about your equipment? What kind of pipes are you playing right sure. now? Reads all that kind of stuff. And what yeah. do you like? What have you used in the past? Let's Just talk to me about bags and, and sticks and stocks and all that.
1: Sure. So right now I'm playing um, a set of Lee and Sons um, oh, cool. made by the great um, Andrew Lee and Jack Lee. I absolutely love them. Um and i've been playing i got those in march of 2020 it's actually right before uh, covid mm-hmm. but um they've been yeah they've been phenomenal really really love playing them i've got a lot of good feedback um from judges and different uh you know different people over the last few years before that oh sorry um solo channer i've been playing the gandy blackwood mm. 100% recommend it i love it um the Gandhi Blackwood, my solo chanter. The band we've been playing the Chesney, uh, the Chesney. I think it's like the first first edition. Do, like we've had them for a while. I think that the, I think they're the MK ones. Chesney channers.
0: Are they? They're poly. Um,
1: they're poly. Yeah, the poly. How do you feel? And then
0: how do you feel that Gandhi top hand does at elevation up here? Did you, did you have to carve your G out a little bit, or is <clears> it?
1: You know fun? what? Um, it, it's pretty strong, and the p Brooke IG is really good on it. Yeah. Um, but it was trying to find the right reed. And for me, um, and a lot of other pipers too around here, the um, if you haven't tried it, you should try the Melvin Solo reed.
0: Oh, that, those are my he, favorites for sure, yeah.
1: Oh, I love them. And I, I'm pretty sure he uses that copper staple um, like Chesney and some of the other makers mm-hmm. do. Uh, it just it sort of flattens out the top hand a little bit. Um, and it sharpens the bottom hand, which is what we need here yeah. in Utah, high mm-hmm. elevation. So I'm actually able to play with minimal tape on my top hand for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the, the Melvin solo reed has worked really well for me, um, in, I, especially in my Gandhi Channer.
0: I, I've wondered about that before because like, I've I've actually only ever owned... Polypenko Chanters. I haven't owned a Blackwood Chanter, but I borrowed, like, long-term borrowed a Blackwood Chanter from, from Zach years ago. Uh, Zach Littles, well, yeah. um, and I think it was actually, I, I was about to say Justin McCallum. I don't mean any offense uh, to McCallum, but just, you know, like, you see a lot of McCallums around, right? Um, oh, and, and for like, a good reason, too. Yeah, and, 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 totally. Yeah, they make solid stuff. Um, um, I just mean, like, it was, uh, you know, you'd think, like, a pretty generic cut, you know? And so I've wondered before, like, did we just get lucky with that chanter or was there something about the blackwood that like it had a great, a really great top hand um, that my plastic yeah. chanters just always seem to have trouble with? So that's why I was curious. But
1: Well, I mean, I think there are, the differences may be minor, but for the listener who, you know, who who can tell, they'll tell. And I think it makes all the difference, even though it's a little bit, but it's just it's something about, you know, just like just kind of resonates a little bit more and it's a little bit. You know, warmer tone to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's just a really nice feel. I really enjoy playing it. Nothing against Polly Pink. Nothing against the Polly Channers, but I for sure. Um, it's a, it, it's a joy to play for sure. Um, been playing the Lee and Sons goatskin bag, which I've really oh, enjoyed yeah. playing. Um, that's been a terrific bag, and honestly, it's not that much maintenance. It's held up. Um, that's well exactly now, what I was going to you know, ask you
0: next. Like, you, yeah, for those of us who have um, never played goat skin, it sounds like a nightmare. <laughs>
1: you know, but... No, it's not. It's, you know, sheepskin, um, which I played before too. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a little bit more maintenance, but the goat skin is sort of like this happy medium of, yeah, you got to season it, but it's not as much as the sheepskin, but you still have that great quality of tone. Um, and I've really enjoyed it. It's, I think it's a good option. Um, but being out here in the desert, um, you know, where, you know, dry, I've had no problems just seasoning my bag and obviously more regular play helps with that. You know? Yeah. Have, so
0: have, Mike Swan is If you're only going to if that, you're so. only going to
1: pick your pipes up for, you know, the end or the occasional whatever, yeah, like they're not going to hold up very well, but right. if you are playing regularly, um I love playing, you know, hide bags. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so so
1: goat but, skin, huh? Yeah, so the okay. goat skin um I play the Gandhi cut which, um, is pretty cool. I don't know if you're familiar with the Banatine uh, pipe bags, very popular, you know, yeah. And I, I, played the Banatine for years, but Willie McCallum was sort of, you know, cramping, you know, in his left hand and, uh, the left arm was giving him problems. So he, you know, wanted them to kind of come up with this custom fit where it takes a little bit more pressure off of the left arm. It's a little bit, uh, I don't know, more like a bottleneck, I guess, and wider at the, at the, at the in the center of the bag and then it's a little tapered more towards the neck mm. it frees up the left hand pretty much is the is the bottom line no, well I can, I can imagine um,
0: that it's like there's not as much material there for your left hand to be like or your left arm to be like pressed against basically,
1: basically. so sorry my my air are <laughs> i lost you yeah, can <laughs> lost you <hear> yeah. Me? <laughs> is it echoey
0: it, it only echoes it only once echoes they when, when they, they fall out it like it that fall out
1: like that so sorry let me try this again no
0: no problem or fallout, disconnect, whatever is whatever it is that's going okay. on.
1: I'm yeah, sorry you. about that. Not a problem. All right. So the uh, yeah, so uh, you know Bruce Gandy, I, from what I understand, you know, kind of a similar thing. Just wanted a custom fit for him with similar issues, and it, it's so comfortable. I love playing it, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of uh, I don't know if it's a newer cut, but I really like playing it. Um, before this current setup, um, oh my drone reads um, I'm playing the canning high pitch which i really really like gets my tenors tuning a little bit higher
0: hmm.
1: um a little bit fuller sound and then I, i'm just doing the henderson harmonic uh, bass and I, don't know, I have tried so many different reads you know over the years that's what i'm currently playing and i really really like it
0: Hey friends, right about there, um, Trevor's AirPods died, the batteries did, so we do finish the interview out, but this seemed like a reasonable spot to stick in this little plug. Uh, hope that's not too frustrating for you. If it is, uh, just skip ahead about two minutes, you'll be right back to hearing from Trevor. But when the uh, when the interview does resume, just just so you know, we kind of worked it out, so like, he's talking through his iPad, and there's an echo whenever i speak so we tried to kind of go to more of a i give a prompt then he talks for a while kind of format so still luckily he had some lovely things to say about p brooks some more stuff about his instrument setup groups he likes to listen to so plenty of good stuff still just uh wasn't conducive to the conversational format anymore uh so just quick little plug for the show thanks again for for listening in feel free to leave it a positive uh review on whatever platform you're listening on Feel free to email the show anytime you want, the podcast at gmail.com. We're on social media. Links to all that kind of stuff is in the show notes. Of course, you can be a patron if you want to. You can send me money. You can send me checks. You can send me gold bullion. You can send me bagpipes. You can sign up on Patreon. That's all in the description down below as well. And don't forget to check out bagpipeswag.com, uh, another kind of side hobby venture interest that I've got going on. Uh, cool stuff over there. And in fact, right now as I'm recording this, I'm about to give away a bagpipe swag gift card to someone from a drawing from a pool of the patrons for the show. That's I try to sweeten the pot a bit if you become a a Patreon supporter or a patron rather. Um, anyway, thanks again. Back to Trevor. Have a great great day, great week, uh, etc. Good friends. Thanks. Bye. Totally fine. So so tell me the anything else anything you, about, your about your instrument your setup. Instrument and then I will, give, then you I the will give you the prompt next prompt for what, prompt, else, to for what else, else to say.
1: Sure. So um, that is, that's what I'm currently playing. Um, my very first set of pipes were a set of uh, nails, which I still have in love. That's a set, to start,
0: that's a set to, start with. to start
1: with. Yeah, so I started with nails um, from 1999, and I, I love playing those still. But I um, And then I got a set of the S.D. Sterling, which Dennis McMaster um, and his partner Shane Barney made together, um, but the yeah the the and I played those for a number of years. But currently, I'm playing the Lee and Sons, and it's been a really good a really good uh, choice for me. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: Now, now um, kind of uh, go ahead and run, with, ahead this and run, run with this one too. I'll try to uh, not, try interject, not interject. You know, you know. Um, um, what, about, what favorites about favorites for listening for to? Listening to? Uh, when it comes to, uh, piping, it comes to but piping, but piping, also you could extend you this to extend other, trad other trad, trad music, music et cetera, et cetera, Right? Et cetera, but uh, what, right, individuals, uh, what individuals, bands, pipe bands, cetera, band, Do you, et cetera, like, to do you to? like to listen to?
1: Yeah. To be honest, I love listening to so many different uh, soloists and pipe bands. I mean, I've always, I've always been a big fan since I started piping. You know, of SFU and Field Marshal. Um, and, but, you know, over the recent years, I've just, I'm a huge fan of Inverary. I love Stuart Little and his style and Inverary style. Um, but I, you know, and I love Chris Armstrong, and Scottish Power. I mean, there's so many great, uh, leading bands today to learn from and to listen to that are just innovative and enjoyable, you know, to, to listen to. So, um, those are a lot of the pipe bands I listen to. And I mean, I just love listening to, um, you know, all these greats that we're so privileged to, you know, to have, you know, well, Jack Lee, who I've been fortunate enough to take lessons from over the last few years. Um, Bruce Gandy and Willie McCallum, Roddy, um, you know, Roddy McLeod. Um, I honestly just, I listen to as much as I can. I really like variety, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just always trying to find stuff on YouTube, whether it's p Brock or... Um, recitals or contests, whatever, um, I uh, I try to listen just to as much of the best piping out there as I can and learn, you know, learn from all of them what I can because they all have their little things, you know.
0: For sure. For sure. Now, if, uh, if, if if imagine if, I'm imagine so I'm, I'm, a piper. I'm a piper. I've I've, I've, never, I've played never played a gig, a gig before. before. And I come and to, I you, come for to you for advice what would you suggest suggest as like a a pre-performance ritual ritual run through, you you know, like what do you do do to make sure you're ready to go when you've got a gig coming
1: up? I think it would depend on what the gig is. Sure. But um, I would say, you know, and I don't know like what level of piping this individual would be at, but I would say, you know, if you're playing at a gig, Try and get your, you know, try and warm up beforehand if you can, and get your pipes as close in tune as you can, um, and just go out there and just don't even think about it, just, just, just go out there and play, you know. Um, the more that you play and you have those kind of experiences, the better you're gonna get, and I, I know I've talked to people who get just panicked about my very first gig or playing, you know, solo at this or whatever, and I just, you know, just. Don't overthink it. You, you can do it. Just just go out there. Make sure you're confident with your instrument. I think that's the biggest thing. If if, if your pipes are well maintained um, and you and you know how to tune yourself, you'll go out there and the playing will take care of itself.
0: Awesome, awesome. Now, Trevor, yeah, Trevor honestly, honestly, I feel yeah, a little feel bit a little like, like that maybe is the perfect way to way fade the episode, episode out. Like that, that, was that, was that was a lovely, lovely sentiment to kind of land on. Land on. That, yeah. said, that said is there is anything there else, anything that, else you'd like that you'd like to, to talk, talk about or, or, say? or say and we could we not end on not that we, we can end on something else. End
1: else um i don't know i'm i'm just uh you know grateful to to be on here with you and you know um have enjoyed talking to you i know there's so much you know in the world of piping there's there's so much that we can talk about um i don't know uh yeah, I, and I don't want to, like, try and talk too much about, like, myself. <laughs> no, no, you know, but, but, but Trevor, I, Trevor, that's exactly,
0: that's exactly what, what I want I you, want to, you do. to do.
1: So. <laughs> well, let, 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 I want to say this because yeah. I want to say this for all those out there listening who don't ap- appreciate or understand the beauty of Peabrook. Oh, okay. Well, okay.
0: This is this great, is Trevor, great, because, because I'm, I'm, I'm one, one of one them. One I'm, I'm trying so trying hard. So hard to get into to get it. Into it. Right. I and I've I've don't been reading up. through like Pebbrook like, is for like, everybody, everybody and everything, everybody, you, know, like, you know. Like I'm I'm, I'm doing, doing my very best, very best, best but yeah, inspire, yeah, inspire me, me please. please.
1: Okay. So, what happens I never really had Pebbrook uh, you know, background or training or anything like that. And I took lessons from Dennis for years, but we never did Pebbrook. Um, and it's just something that I was like, that's ah, boring and I don't really care for it. Well, uh we had Jack Lee out for a band workshop 2018. And we had the opportunity for all of us to have a one-on-one lesson with him. And, um, anyways, I get into my lesson with him, and he says, "Okay, um, you know, why don't we just start with, you know, an MSR or a little bit of the medley that you're playing, or whatever, you know, and play." He's like, "Okay," and then uh, we go through some of the light music, and then he says, "Okay, now what P. Bruck are you working on?" And I said, "Um, I, I, none. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know any P. Bruck." And he's like, "What? You haven't learned P. Bruck?" And I said, no. And he said, okay, we're going to learn Peabrook right now. So put the pipes down, pulls out his laptop, we get our channers and he pulls out the field of gold, which um, is a pretty well-known Donald McLeod Peabrook. Absolutely beautiful. It's nice and short um, and it's perfect. Like I know why he teaches that as his first one. Um, But anyways, when he was just Tell, you know teaching me about it and singing it for me and playing it it was a life-changing experience like he totally changed my perspective on what Pebrock is and what it can be and so anyways from uh, so we started learning feel the gold um and we actually started doing lessons together um from that point on just once a month on on uh, skype and that was life-changing as well but uh I've really, really enjoyed Pbruk over the last, you know, four years, and something I wasn't into at first. But the more that you just learn a little bit at a time and listen to it, especially those who play it so well, it's it's just incredible. It's a breath of fresh air, at least for me, you know, from all the light music stuff that we do. And um, so I would just I want to say, you know, those who are um, giving up on Pbruk, you you should give it another chance.